0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Yes Men podcast. Wait, Lou, did you just grab your crotch at me? Did you just make an inappropriate gesture towards your co-host? I
1: was just adjusting myself these jeans. Uh, You know what? You're out of here. If I apologize, can I be back in 15 minutes? Nope.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Yes Men podcast. Lou is in the corner. uh, But I'm still here. He's in timeout. For, for right now. No, just kidding. He's still sitting next to me. I'm I was just playing. It was a little role play. Sometimes you've been doing a podcast for a year or so. You try and keep things interesting. It's like a relationship. You know what I mean? A little role play. I was Joe West in that scenario. You were Jonathan Papabond. And I think that that's the first uh, topic we would like to cover. So it made a nice little intro. D-
1: that whole thing just got really weird with the role playing and the Jonathan. You know pep- what? If, it's when got things a get weird,
0: weird but... uh, that, that makes good mm. good. Radio, Usually I'm so.
1: the one that makes things weird. I don't know how I feel about that.
0: Yeah. Uh, but anyway... Um, Lou, I know we wanted to talk about Pavabon and Joe West, and we've talked about umpires before. Um, I was thinking about it yesterday. I did a a rapid reaction about it. We've talked plenty about it. It's all over the news with the fact that, you know, Joe West went all the way over to the dugout to confront Pavabon. We really don't even know if he was adjusting his, his cup or if he was making a gesture towards the fans. But Joe West clearly in the wrong, got suspended a game by Major League Baseball today. But I was thinking about it last night. Is there a sport right now where you would say, I'm comfortable with the officiating?
1: Probably not. But that's true all the time because, you know, referees miss calls. There's a human element to the game. Right.
0: I'm not talking about getting calls mm-hmm. yeah, wrong.
1: Yeah, no, it, 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 that's true all the time, I think. But what makes, all of this, what makes all of this worse, for lack of a better word, is that Joe West, who by the way was suspended one game by Major League Baseball, so it looks like he's not going to be umpiring the finale in Tampa tonight. Suspended one game for grabbing bonds jersey. I know, you know. I know it was before your time, but I know you've seen Major League, so you know you had comparisons to that Ricky Vaughn, you know, mm-hmm. umpire thing. I, I'm sure you've seen the Naked Gun as never. well. No, okay. Well, for for you and for those of our listeners listening who have never seen it, part of the Action is Leslie Nielsen ends up undercover as the home plate umpire at a baseball game after posing as the national anthem singer first. And he has no clue what he's doing. He just he turns it into a sideshow with his antics behind the plate. That pretty much sums up Joe West's career at this point. People don't know who Joe West is because Joe West is a great umpire. I'm not saying he's a terrible umpire, but I'm not I'm saying people don't know who he is because he's one of the exemplary umpires. People know who Jim Joyce is because he messed up Armando Galarraga's perfect game. Pretty good umpire over the course of the years. A lot of people within baseball will tell you Jim Joyce is a great umpire. Still known for the fact that he egregiously blew Armando Galarraga's perfect game. Joe West is known for making the game about himself. And those comments he made years back about the Yankees-Red Sox games taking forever and this and that. he's, He's known to be making himself part of the show. That's not his job. That's not any referee's job. That's not any official's job. You know, you could say, oh, you know, I could throw out a million umpire names and people would be like, who's that? Like, who's, you know, Vic Carapaza or, uh, you know, who's Alan Porter? Who knew who Alan Porter was before last night, before that two, uh, two-run mm-hmm. sacrifice fly? Mm-hmm. Nobody. You know why you know who he is now? Because he potentially botched a call that got Joe Girardi so heated he protested the game. That, that's the way officials are. The best officials are the ones you never hear about right, because they're the true. ones who are simply doing their job.
0: And it, for the most part, that's very true. And uh, Laz Diaz is another name that comes to mind of a guy yeah. who likes to be a part of the show. And, you know, what did frustrate it, frus- frustrate me, and I'm glad that he did get suspended. I said in the rapid reaction, I said, Joe West needs to be held accountable for his actions. Yeah. He's in the wrong here. He he caused the story. And yeah. when you're if you're butt-sealing and you're looking at the story, you would rather Joe West have – saw it, remained quiet, and then after the game went to Major League Baseball higher-ups and said, look, Jonathan Papabon on this play right here makes a gesture towards the crowd. You should suspend him a few games. Not yeah. making a show out of it because right. he made he drew attention to something that Bud Selig would rather no attention have been drawn to. And, um, you know, again, he's suspended for shoving Jonathan Papabon. But that, to me, wasn't the worst thing that Joe West did. No. He, he he kind of got Papelbon out of his way. Papelbon was screaming in his face, wouldn't let Joe West back on the field. Now, Joe West shouldn't have been there in the first place. But the worst pl- thing that Joe West did was make it a show. Go over there was and touched, toss the guy out of the game that was already taken out of the game to by his, Papelbon. his
1: manager. Yeah. yeah, And Papelbon's suspension, in part, was because they deemed that he bumped the umpires, which is... You know, under the umbrella rule of you can't touch the refs Mm -hmm. part of the suspension. It's a little ticky-tack, but whatever. The Phillies are out of it. Papelbon's probably never going to throw another pitch for them again. Who cares, you know, in that regard? The problem is is, is that this crew in general now over the last five days has pretty much made a mockery of their jobs. Marty Foster, the other night, threw out Chase Headley for continuing a conversation that Foster instigated. Now, you can understand Chase Headley getting mad about being pitched inside after the guy got hit in the face last week. He comes back a couple games later, and the first pitch he sees is 95 at his ribs. And he's getting strikes called against him that any umpire can see are not strikes. He gets a little upset by this. He, he sees another strike, strike, I'm using the air quotes, in that at bat, and he disagrees. He says, you know what, no, I don't think so. He steps out of the box. Foster tells him to get back in the box. Headley's not going to stand there all day, and it's not going to be a a Gandhi passive-aggressive standoff. He's going to get back in the box. Do your job. Yeah. Don't instigate it. Chase Headley fights back, and he tosses him because he's got the power.
0: Isn't it kind of like— That's awful. Aren't they acting like police officers, like kind of a corrupt cop Mm -mm. or maybe a uh, prison guard who's acting Mm like— You're, you've done wrong, so you're yeah. in this position, and I'm your boss. Yeah. I That's have not the, the case here.
1: I have the power, and you will do what I Without say. Without
0: Chase kind of Headley, Marty Foster doesn't have a job, and, and Chase Headley is the talent. He's the reason right. that fans are in the ballpark, right. not Marty Foster. So it seems like they have a, a wrong idea of, of their job on the field, which is to stay out of it.
1: It's unprofessional is the, is the word that works in that situation. It's unprofessional. Again, there's great umpires in baseball. There's bad umpires in baseball. There's umpires who are known. C.B. Buckner, for one. Everyone who watches baseball, plays baseball, 90% of them would agree that C.B. Buckner's strike zone is horrendous (laughs) compared to what the strike zone should be. He's known for that, but he's not known for making that spectacle part of game. You know C.B. Buckner's strike zone is awful. Adjust to it. You don't know what kind of actions Joe West or Marty Foster or one of these guys who's going to make it about them are going to do on a daily basis because they're hotheads. That's not their job. It's unprofessional.
0: And a point that you've actually made before is when somebody makes a mistake, when CB Buckner has a night where his strike zone is just awful. I mean, he's calling balls in the other batter's box Mm -hmm. strikes and things like that. You wish as a fan that. You could see them get penalized because doing your job poorly is something that players have to deal with, right? right? If Chase Hedley goes 0 for 25, you know, he's going to get benched. Or if, you know, Brian Roberts was performing poorly, he got released. Why doesn't that same thing? Why don't umpires have to worry about that same thing when they're consistently uh, not doing their job to the best of their ability, or maybe it is to the best of their ability, but they're just not good at it? They don't seem to get penalized. And in this case, Joe West yeah. you know, suspended one game without pay, and that kind of feels like retribution in my mind.
1: It's sort of – I'm sure it goes along with unions and collectively bargained labor agreements and the whole labor relations thing that kind of cripples the country. Uh, yes, I agree with you 100 percent on that. Cripples the
0: country. Yeah. I agree with that, by the way. It does.
1: Um, I've watched The Sopranos. I, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, now, the – you know – the fact of the matter is that there's very little public discipline when it comes to something like that. Like, right. if I consistently misspell, I mean, there's names in baseball. share, Yeah, Shara. You know, I consistently misspell, uh, I, I don't properly capitalize Jacob deGrom's name, something like that. After a while, it's going to be like, you need to fix this. This is an egregious problem, blah, 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 blah. In a world where we have instant video replay on everything and tennis matches have laser cannons and whatever's necessary to see if a ball hit the baseline or not, I know Quest Tech exists, slash existed, all that. How do we not have a review of, like, okay, here's C.B. Buckner's strike zone. 71% of the pitches you called strikes were balls. That's not good. That's a 29% accuracy rating. Right. That's not good at anything unless well, actually playing baseball if you hit 290 that's pretty much almost a hall of fame career, but And then maybe
0: if CB Buckner is bad behind the plate or, but he's really good at, you know, the bases, then put him out there. You know, have some you need a lot of times in sports like you said with the collective bargaining and things like that. I wish there was more this makes sense, let's do
1: it. We'll see here then you you run into a slippery slope with that Thought process of if he sucks behind the plate, let's move him elsewhere. Because if you get an umpire who gets to the point where they just don't want to be behind the plate, then they can start tanking it, for lack of a better word, and just be moved off. Yeah, I that'd guess be that's like true. me saying, I hate doing social media, and so I just slough off Twitter stuff for a week, and then you know, I you don't have to do Twitter anymore. Great, it's not really a, the, the person that that punishes is the other three guys on that umpire and crew who now have to rotate behind the plate once every three days. You don't think they like doing four. behind the plate? I'm not saying they don't. I'm just saying that's the case you run into where the punishment for that would be on the other three guys who now have to rotate behind the plate once every three days instead yeah. of once
0: every four. I just think that what I mean is maybe you you use guys' specialties and what they're best at, especially in the postseason. Well, yeah. Because there are, I'm sure there. Are, if you look at the numbers, and I'm sure that the umpires' bosses are looking at those kind of things where there are people that are really good on the bases and um, are really poor behind the plate and the other way around as well. I don't know. The,
1: the thing I wonder is this. How hard is it to be a major league umpire if you're not behind the plate?
0: In a way, you mean, get one you or two to, close plays know, a game, maybe?
1: You have to know the rules of baseball, obviously, which is a prerequisite to be anything involved in the game. But, I mean, the second base umpire, he's not the one that gets appealed to on a check swing. That's the two baseline guys. He's not the one that has to make a call on bang-bang plays at first base. That's the first base umpire. He's not the one that has to make fair foul calls. That's the home plate or first so being a second base umpire is like a day off, it seems, to the to the layman, to the naked eye.
0: Or if you're I, I mean, how hard is it? If you're Angel Hernandez, you make the neighborhood controversial neighborhood yeah. safe call. Well you and were then, standing
1: on the dirt patch right. here in this turf, so you're good. So yeah, you're
0: right. I think second base is the position where sometimes you don't want to have that likes to be a part of the show guy because right. he'll make go out of his way to to make a controversial call.
1: Right. Um, Here's the other problem I have with the other half of this crew. We've talked enough about Marty Foster and Joe West. Here's the problem I have with the other half of this crew right now, that being Rob Drake, who was behind the plate last night, and and Alan Porter. Why was there a warning issued when the Yankees were at bat last night, when it was the first instance of that game, per se, where something happened that a pitcher was, quote-unquote, throwing at a bat or whatever? Why was that warning issued? The answer to that question most likely lies into baseball told them that they had been hit a bunch of times. Girardi was already fired up. I mean, he said the word pissed on camera last night, which shows you how – because Joe Girardi is usually pretty pretty reserved. He was already fired up. The umpires knew that. Was that a reaction to them knowing that, all right, the next Yankee pitcher is throwing someone – thrown at someone's ear flap in the in the next inning. Yeah. Is that a reaction to that? If that's the case, A, that's making themselves part of the game. That's taking it upon themselves to make a decision based on something that they shouldn't be able to control. You warn the benches before the game if there's bad blood, that's fine. You can't in one instance say, oh, you can't do that next time either one of you does that. you ha- You have to be able to fight fire with fire. It's a bit of an unwritten rule. But you have to be able to fight fire with fire. I'm not. I'm not saying you should go out and throw at somebody. Yeah. But I'm saying you you can't. You know, you can't say, oh, you did this, so now neither one of you can do it when the other one's like, oh, I, I didn't get to do anything. You I don't like do the
0: umpires making the decision that oh, it feels like something's going to start brewing. Yeah. Like you got to let it play out. And you know, I will say, Lou, I I bet it was a pregame meeting. I think umpires before the game meet up and say these guys, mm-hmm. you know, the Rays have hit a bunch of Yankees. Chase Headley got hit on oh. the chin. I would look out for the Yankees to hit somebody. Tonight. And they're and like, okay.
1: John Flaherty mentioned that in the postgame too. He, that's exactly the reasoning he gave.
0: So, but at the same time, that would maybe say if the Yankees hit someone first, then you issue warnings. It's like, okay, they've done their part. Let's let's issue warnings. That, I would say, is maybe a little bit more understandable. But for the Rays to hit a Yankee and then there's some sort of warning, doesn't make any sense to me because then you're not allowing – the Yankees to to give retribution for being hit five times in a row. It just seems backwards. You penalize the Yankees because they've gotten hit. Like The Yankees hadn't even done anything yet.
1: Right, it'd be like me coming up to you here at work and slapping you in the face five times over the course of a week, and then finally our boss season says the next person that slaps somebody in the face is getting right. thrown is getting thrown it's like, out. Well, of work. I haven't even hit. Well, it's, blue I haven't yet. done anything, but I've been victimized five times. How fair right. is that? It's not.
0: Right now, I, you're not allowing me to ret- to have retribution for all the wrong that's been caused. Right. So, um, yeah, you know, it was it's an awkward situation last night because let's be honest, the Yankees can't even really use this anger. Mm-hmm. Because they're basically out of it. I mean, right. if this had happened three weeks ago, maybe we'd be saying, "Well, maybe this sparks a fire," you know. Right. But at this point, with the a, Yankees, were just angry. Yeah. That's all. And, and at this
1: point, with a five game deficit with twelve to go, I mean, it's not insurmountable mathematically. But let's be fair.
0: Right. You, you have <laughs> you know? to win all twelve. Yeah. Presumably, and
1: if the other t- if the team in first place goes five hundred. And all the teams ahead of you, you go 500, you have to go undefeated. But that's, that's the parameters we're looking at. Right. They knew coming into – after Derek Jeter day, already said, you know, we got our last day off and then we're going to have to win a whole lot of games in. 21 games ago. And anyone looking at math would figure, all right, you know what, 16-5 and five minimum is what they got to do. Well, they've already reached that five. <laughs> they've already lost five games since then. So yeah. there you well, go. That's where we stand.
0: Anyway, you know – What's funny is we had just had that discussion about MLB umpires, and and I thought we were going to be talking about NFL referees um, this week, actually, because I was watching the games last weekend, and <laughs> it's just funny because you talk a lot about um, companies, and if their CEO is not a good guy or a woman, then usually a lot of the employees, the VPs, those people aren't great people either because bad people hire bad people. Um, the NFL... The has looked so bad, right? Roger Goodells looked terrible for the last two weeks. we had Ray Rice, Adrian Pearson, et cetera. and so have the umpires they've looked awful. They were given one rule let's let's not let's make sure that you know receivers aren't being touched after five yards and they're throwing
1: eighteen flags a game. It's almost a joke and so and as an Eagles fan I'm going to say this that I agree with everyone else because it's true. The one penalty they failed to call in that regard won the Eagles the game on Monday night right. That interception where Brandon Boykin was mugging the receiver, right. and Jenkins came up with the interception, was a horribly bad missed call. So it's—I find myself wondering. I'll take it though.
0: Do d- does Roger Goodell not having any clue what he's doing at his job have anything to do with the referees clearly having no idea what's going on? And it probably does because um, maybe we just need smarter people in this league. And this obviously is going to lend ourselves as kind of a segue into the conversation with AP and and Ray Rice. And Ray Rice, we've talked about before in our podcast because that story has been around for a little while. But Adrian Peterson is kind of the developing thing. He's now been put on the list where he basically can't do any team activities. Uh, The Vikings changed their mind over the night. And And Nike
1: pulled their sponsorship. Nike pulled their sponsorship.
0: Budweiser came out and said, uh, you know, we're really disappointed. I saw a tweet today, by the way, like, great job by the NFL commissioner. Bud Wiser. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the only person that's making a difference. The only thing that is working right now and making the NFL cleaner and better are sponsorships.
1: Someone tweeted too, and I forget who it was, but it was like, here's the commissioner's response to all that's going on. And it was in quotes, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Which was funny. Uh, and it's also brought out of the work all the people who are on their high horse now about how Nike, a company that apparently employs sweatshop labor, is pissed off at Adrian Peterson for abusing a child. Which I guess makes sense in the warped minds of some, but whatever. It's not the point.
0: Right. Those two things are totally unrelated. Yeah, yeah,
1: completely. Um, Yeah. The referees, I don't think that's necessarily a function of Roger Goodell being clueless. I think that's more of a function of they've been given, much like umpires with the plate blocking rule in baseball, they've been given this mandate with really no clear, like... I don't want to say there's no clear explanation because the explanation is don't let receivers get mugged after five yards. But they've been told to call more penalties. That's it's gonna be natural when they miss an egregious one like the one on Monday night that they get even more scrutiny for it because they've been told do this, do this, do this, and then they fail to do it in one big spot. And that's that's right. You know, you've seen you've seen Kevin Smith's movies, Jay and Silent Bob, Clerics and any of that. You probably know the scene I'm talking about that I can't repeat the actual dialogue in the midst of a PG podcast, but it's it's Silent Bob saying a man can build a thousand bridges and blank, blank, blank. He's not a bridge builder. He's – you know where I'm going with that? That's pretty much what it is with with these writers. Like they can do a thousand great things, but as soon as they mess up once, that's all anybody cares about. And right. And that's the society. And the lives. point
0: I was making is basically that somebody <laughs> – has made the decision A higher up in the NFL. A lot of people have come to the agreement that this penalty needs to be called. Right. And it's like even when the NFL really tries to do something smart, they can't even pull it off.
1: I mean, you could theoretically call a penalty on every play in the NFL if you go back and look at them all.
0: Well, considering people are trying to kill each other on the field, there are a lot of penalties. And I
1: thought it was funny, and I almost tweeted about it as such last week until I got caught up in something else, that in the opening Sunday night football game, Every time – I forget who which player it was, but every time – oh, it was Ryan Clady, the Broncos. Every time Chris Collinsworth made a glowing, like, look at how Ryan Clady's making a difference like and they showed a replay, it was him egregiously holding a defensive end. Because there's holding on every play? Because there's holding on every play. It's just the nature of the game. That's That's what happens. But when you miss an obvious one like that, then it's, you know, the horse collar tackle on the ensuing possession in that game. Iffy, but it's a judgment call. You know what I mean? Did you see
0: call. the call in the Giants game where Justin Pugh uh, got punched in the face yes. and called for a fifteen-yard penalty? Yes, I saw that. I mean,
1: too. oh my gosh, come on! I mean, in the in the same Eagles game, Jason Kelsey got called for illegal hands to the face on a play where he basically his hand pushed up into the guy's like sternum, I guess, for lack of a better word, and pushed his pads up, and his hand came up a little bit when the ball was already ten yards downfield, but they called that. I mean that's that's where you're looking at it's okay that's what he saw. Yeah, you know it penalties you can't really.
0: I would say the pew is the most egregious penalty I've seen. Yeah,
1: that was pretty crappy. I mean
0: it was you can you can you know what's going through the head of a of a ref, but it's so silly. You you really didn't see who started that whole thing. Yeah,
1: it's it it's, and it's whoever retaliates it's like, is well, the one that gets he busted. He retaliated.
0: Some the other guy must have started it. I'll throw the flag on him. It's just anyway. Yeah, the NFL right now, as of right now, Lou. Um
1: still going to watch it on Sunday by the way.
0: Right. We both will.
1: Eagles Redskins, big game. Big game. Who are the Giants pl- losing to playing?
0: <laughs> the Houston Texans oh, okay. at home. They got to win it. Uh I'm going to I'm going to pose my theory on this whole thing and I want to I want to hear your uh, response to it. All right. Um my theory on everything going on right now. Um Adrian Peterson, Ray Rice, uh the Kraken. Nickname for Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy, yes. Um would be that the NFL and 2014 are merging, and they are not a good combination. Uh, the National Football League is a sport that is based on a guy hitting another guy, whether it's a running back running into a linebacker or the linebacker running into the running back. And it's based on violence. It's based on guys who are absolutely menacing and and trained killers and physical specimens The only important thing in their life is being in the best shape possible and being as strong as possible. But somehow our expectations for them as people are to be good off the field. We want them to be saints off the field, but we want them to kill people on the field. So in 2014, we have that. That's A. And B, 2014 comes with the highest technological advancements yet, obviously, considering it's current – So a lot of these reports are coming from cell phones. A lot of them are coming from video, surveillance video, like the Ray Rice situation. These things did not used to exist. Lawrence Taylor... He did everything in the book, but a lot of the things we didn't even hear about, I'm guessing. Joe Namath would never have been able to be Joe Namath nowadays because he lived in New York. He was a quarterback. He was a star. The cameras would have been on him all the time. So for those two reasons, for our warped expectations for what NFL players should be on the field compared to what we expect them to be off, and then the fact that we all are on our cell phones 24-7 taking video and there's video everywhere to be had, it's a storm with the word You know what in front of it It rhymes with bit and I don't know what we're going to have to do because the NFL can't exist with these expectations and these uh, uh, technological advancements. I really don't think we're going to have the the product that we demand on the field with the same results off of it.
1: Uh, I would agree with that for most of it. Anyway, I I would definitely agree with that. And as you probably read today, because I bring this up frequently, we read Barstool a lot. There was a hate crime in Philadelphia not long ago where a homosexual couple was beaten up by 12 people that was solved based on somebody investigating and finding this group of people checking in at the restaurant that the video showed it happened in front of. This is the age we live in where technology – I drove into a lake because technology told me so, says Michael Scott. But that's – the technology told me this is what happened, Okay. The problem with the NFL is that they – they, t- they tend to turn a blind eye to it because of that expectation. Greg Hardy is expected to be a beast on the football field whose only assignment is to kill everybody, as you know, Mac would have said in the program if you've ever seen that movie. And so while, yes, any man should know better than to beat his wife or beat a child or whatever, you can't turn that aggressive mindset off per se sometimes. Like that's, that's, that's what it is. I'm not condoning it anyway. I'm just saying that's – I can understand psychologically how that works. The problem is the NFL turns a blind eye to it until it affects them in a way where they have to not turn a blind eye to it.
0: That's exactly right.
1: Radisson pulling their sponsorship from the Vikings has a lot to do with why the Vikings put Adrian Peterson on the restricted list. Without anyone saying that that's the case, that's the case because once the Vikings start losing money – then it becomes a problem. Public relations to these NFL teams isn't as important as business relations. So, yep, you know if I don't know who sponsors the Panthers, okay? Maybe it's Bank of America. That's that's I think their stadium is still
0: named out of Bank of America, right? And Bank of America is located is in Charlotte,
1: yeah. If Bank of America says, you know, what, we're not going to sponsor you anymore because we don't condone wife beaters. How fast do you think Greg Hardy is going to be terminated?
0: They would do anything to yeah. him. They, they put him in some foreign country never yeah. going to be seen again. They,
1: they drop him off in the middle of the desert. And here you go. See you later. That's the problem. You know, Anheuser-Busch puts pressure on the NFL like, hey, this isn't cool. Oh, now they're going to do something about it. It's pretty crappy. It's unfortunately the world we live in. And it's a problem because the NFL, as I said last week, has not done anything – proactively in this case, what they need to do in the off season is sit down and revamp the personal conduct policy to include personal conduct, not just like smoking weed and getting caught or smoking weed and getting caught because that seems to be about the only thing. We're taking Molly at the Kentucky Derby. They need to revamp the personal conduct policy and say, you know, X, Y, Z, here you go. Mm-hmm. The whole Ray Rice thing has been a fiasco. From the two-game suspension, then the policies in place, and they—it's been a whole—it's been a show that begins with the word you can't mention. But we've had a storm and a show, and a storm and a show. notice with the word in front of it, mm-hmm. same word. Yeah, um, rhymes a bit. Uh, yeah, so they need to. That's something they need to do. Something they also need to do once they get that straight and get that together is enforce it proactively and say. We're doing this because we're looking into something just like whenever you hear about – you read a story about some kind of police activity, police brutality or something or whatever. Officer has been placed on administrative leave pending review. That's what the NFL needs to do. Right now, Adrian Peterson is on administrative leave, and I'm using air quotes again, pending review, just like any other internal affairs organization in the world would do. You know what? Here's this implication. We're going to look into it. There's somewhat proof of you doing this. Until this is resolved, you go sit in the corner. I guarantee you if you do that a handful of times and if you do it without pay, unfortunately, Hardy and Peterson are still getting paid. If you do it without pay, it might stop a little bit. The Ray Rice thing, same thing. You know what? I said last week that having worked with them and worked doing things for DeMora Smith in the past, the kind of person he is, this and the other thing, I'm kind of appalled that the NFLPA is appealing Ray Rice's suspension with the quote that says, we're doing this to protect our players as it pertains to the due process. What more due process do you need than a videotape of him punching his wife in the face and knocking her out in an elevator? What more due process do you need? Well, it's the same thing. I mean, come on. It's the same
0: problem that you and I were talking about earlier with baseball. It's like... Everything is collectively bargained. Everything is on paper somewhere where people can have loopholes. I mean, really.
1: Again, it's the country we live in. That's yeah. why McDonald's coffee cups have to say the coffee's hot because right. instead of common sense, there's loopholes in the law. Right. And that's the way it is. It,
0: you know what? It's, I, I, also, what, I'm, what I can't stand hearing and Adam Schefter tweeted earlier, like now that the Adrian Peterson situation has been resolved, it hasn't been resolved. Consider the fact that the Vikings, after one game where they got destroyed by the Patriots, realized their best player and superstar was their only shot at winning. They hadn't had anyone withdraw yet, so they're like, you know what? AP's going to come back because we have to—we can't just take him off the field. We, you know, we just have rumors of him beating his kid, whatever.
1: Yeah. They're the Vikings supported
0: him. It's the same exact situation as the Ravens. When given the choice, they supported him. When given no choice— they they punished him. exactly
1: proactive when, instead of reactive. When
0: the Vikings had a choice, they said, "You know what, AP, come back in. You know we'd like to have you. Whatever you, we don't condone mm-hmm. what you did, but uh, come play for us again." Now, because of the court of public opinion, because of the outcry, you really think that Ra- the Ravens owners ownership just kind of. Change their mind after sitting in a dark room for a long time? No. They're they're getting interview requests, they're reading the newspaper, they're listening to talk radio. Those are the things that change their mind. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, it's the only really perfect way to say it. The NFL has not been proactive in either circumstance. Nope. And it's the biggest thing that has to change. Be proactive. Go find things that are issues. Go find them. Be the first to find them. Don't let TMZ find them. Have the NFL find them. Hey, uh, we noticed this little sketchy thing about your background. Go sit on the bench. We're going to look into it. And if you're not guilty, then you can get back on the field. 99% of the time, if your investigators are good, you're going to find something.
1: Yeah, and it was just after we finished taping last week's episode that everything broke that the AP said that the NFL had this tape and blah, 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 the Ray Rice, which made it even worse. And now they've – again, they've hired women to be on the whatever the hell – whatever VP title they gave – VP of social policy or whatever, again, another reactive move to the, I've used storm, I've used show, to the whatever, you know, of of this situation, another reactive move to make it look like we're doing the right thing. When in reality, it's just, you know what, if we do this, you'll shut up for a while about it. It's really what it is. I'm going to say it again, just like I said it last week, Roger Goodell's position as commissioner of the NFL is currently untenable for the sport and for the business of the sport. It's just Impossible the way it is. Impossible to disagree. It's the way it is. I mean, people can complain about Bud Selig all they want as a, as the MLB commissioner and thinks he's done and how this PED witch hunt that's going on now is a result of him not wanting to be known as the guy who allowed this to happen to bring the sport back after the strike. You can say all you want about what David Stern did before he left. You can say all you want about Gary Bettman and all the, the crap that's going on in the NHL. This is going to be Roger Goodell's legacy, unfortunately. Oh, that, absolutely. That and turning, you know, because he's always ruled with an iron fist, like, I'm the commissioner and I say so, so this is what goes. But then, as soon as somebody points out that loophole and says, well, there's really no policy on domestic violence, I think it's appalling the NFLPA is, is appealing racist suspension. I completely understand it because they're going to win. Yeah. They're going to win, and that, that I mean that's the sad reality of it because when it comes down to a court of law, they're going to say there is nothing on the books and was nothing on the books until after this incident happened that was setting precedent for what happened to our client.
0: That's a good point, and it's sad sucks, that that's what yeah. will happen. Here's something to think about, and we probably don't have time to get into it, but it would be an interesting thought for people to finish the podcast and, and, and for us to think about as well maybe for next time. Is it possible that the NFL's mindset before all of this happened wasn't correct, like wasn't morally right, mm-hmm. but the NFL's mindset was more realistic? The idea that they turned a blind eye, which you and I disapprove of, and it's the worst part about Roger Goodell as, as a uh, you know basically dictator of the NFL right now. <laughs> but do you think the NFL – I was saying earlier we have these weird expectations, these kind of impossible expectations for football players to be great people. Mm-hmm. Do you think the NFL – is saying, we've always known that these were the people that we employ. We've always known that there were bad eggs out there. But how are we supposed to give all this entertainment to people while also keeping a clean record off the field? Now, is it possible that they've always thought that way? And now they're just getting, uh, you know, the uh, the PC police, the yep. everything's politically correct. You, you have to be a saint. You know, all of that is, is kind of making them realize that that's not in the cards anymore. Are we the unrealistic ones for expecting our, our favorite athletes and stars to be good people?
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, there's that old saying to never meet your heroes because all they're going to do is let you down unless your hero happens to be Derek Jeter. And everything that's ever been said about him is true, <clears throat> how awesome he is. But, no, I don't think we're the unrealistic ones. I think what it is is the magnification of the of the issue. You know, there's there's bad eggs in every corporation. There's bad people in every corporation. The problem is… Even though it's only three, I mean, I'm sure there's more That it, there's more issues that have happened in the past, but right now we're talking about Hardy, Rice, and Peterson. 53 guys on a roster times 32 teams, plus the practice squad, plus guys on IR. There's like 1,800 guys employed by the NFL for the sole fact of playing the game, not involving coaches, trainers, staff, stadium personnel, front office. <clears throat> yeah, so it's three of 1,800 plus. But if it was 150 people here at Yes, out of 150, you'd still know less of the 150 of us here than you do of Ray Rice, Adrian Peterson, and right? Because they're magnified. So it's not that we're it's not that we're the unrealistic ones expecting them to be heroes. It's just that things get magnified naturally because of because of who they are. And I've said this in the past how it baffles me how people, celebrities on down, don't understand the power of social media and things and coming out and whatever you do is going to get brought out. There's bad people everywhere. It's just more people are looking at these bad people. So we're not the unrealistic ones per se, as long as we realize that they're in more of a fishbowl than we ever will be.
0: Yeah. I think it's it's an interesting (laughs) idea, you know? Um, yeah. The NFL has handled everything terribly since this stuff started. Um, That they're guilty of. That's not an opinion. It's just a fact. Right. Um, But before any of this came out, the question out there is, you know, what do you think the NFL was thinking? Do you think that they knew this stuff was going on? And do you think they just thought everyone out there would understand? Because – Clearly, that was a warped idea. And
1: the the sad but true reality of this is five years from now, if this happens again, there will be a policy in place and a due process in place so that this doesn't happen again in the scope it's happening. When Roger Goodell took over as NFL commissioner, the Cincinnati Bengals were going to jail at a rate higher than residents of most southern trailer parks. But I I mean, there was a Bengal getting arrested like every day, it seemed, when Mm -hmm. Roger Goodell took over, and he took – steps to implement personal conduct policies and this and that, and what happened? You don't hear as much about that kind of off-the-field stuff. This is a bit different light because it was one domestic violence issue and then another and then another, and it's all the same scope. It's not like – I think everyone's almost forgotten about Josh Gordon smoking weed in his car, like because – If anything, he's being praised, right? Yeah. All he did was smoke a little pot, you know, like – People have almost forgotten about that because of what's going on here. So now, as as we said, they're being reactive instead of proactive. But five years from now, if you have a couple of guys who are accused of domestic violence or some kind of child allegations or something like, something like what's going on with these three guys, there will probably be a policy and procedure in place so that it's not as much of a – have I used show or storm more yet? <laughs> it's not as much of one of those as it is now. And again, I'm not saying that in any way, can, shape, or form condoning or allowing or praising anything that's going on now, but that's the way the NFL has worked. So hopefully there will be that five years from now if this happens again. But while it's happening, it's controversial, and it points out the hypocrisy of that whole expectation that you mentioned earlier.
0: Also, there, I don't know if, you know, if any mm-hmm. of our listeners out there follow, people like Katie Nolan or um, Michelle Beadle. Mm-hmm. But they're doing something that's really important, and and they're exposing the mouth breathers, the uh, just out of touch, no clue males out there that are tweeting them for their strong opinions, and and um, they'll both the Katie and and um, Michelle will retweet them, and it, it goes to show you how dumb some NFL and 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 you know I'm sure it's sports fans people are uh, NFL fans mm-hmm. and how they expect they really really believe that women whether it's the players wives broadcasters anything just don't belong in the sport because it's ours it's guys it's a good old boys club it's football it's middle america it's men yeah. like you belong in the kitchen those people still exist believe it or not and in those
1: same areas that i mentioned about Bengals fans
0: yeah. earlier yeah so let's remember you know this isn't just this isn't just the players there are fans out there that believe that AP Ray Rice they didn't do anything wrong. There are people out there that believe that.
1: And you know what? Katie Nolan and Michelle Beadle know more about the sports they cover than those people know about them, which is what makes it even worse. Right. You know? I mean, it's <laughs> just because just because they're women doesn't mean they don't know what they're talking about, but unfortunately, like you said, there are those mouth breathers out there that that's their opinion. It's stupid. And the, the last point I was going to make about this whole situation is that, you know, like I said, going forward, maybe the NFL will do something about it. And it's taking this to kind of put things in place. But it's going to happen again. That's, that's the problem is that it's not going to be a perfect world. It's not going to be like, stop, you can't do that. It's going to happen again. And shortly before we started taping, James Winston was suspended for the first half of
0: Florida State's up. game
1: against Clemson for – Standing up in the middle of FSU's campus and yelling the phrase that's all the rage on internet memes these days about copulation in a female's parts. Is it, is it a bogus, like, uh, have a timeout kind of thing? Yes and no. No, because Clemson's actually a good team. If they were playing you know, Appalachian State, it would be a little bit more bogus. But it's the point that at least they're saying, you can't do this. Don't do this, especially when you're someone like Jameis Winston, who's going, going to be in the NFL in a couple of years and going to be on a much brighter stage. You can't do this. This is not acceptable personal conduct. We are going to, at the, at the expense of our football program, the Defending National Champions, we're going to give you a timeout because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And
0: isn't it funny that we talk about Jameis Winston <clears> – <throat> Uh, and we talk about the NFL and, and how, you know, all the bad eggs. He's about to be a first-round, first pick overall.
1: I mean, maybe he'll be sitting here on the bench just enjoying some delicious public seafood, you know, having a good little time. And, and
0: yeah. Who knows? How many things, I mean, for, for a guy who's been in the public eye for so little time, has he done that have been either wrong, clearly, or mm-hmm. controversial, at least? Um, but... We will, but you know fans, and, and the NFL in general, will open, we'll, we'll open their arms wide and say, come on in. You're worthy of the first pick, the biggest honor we can bestow you.
1: And you know what, Doug? Just like the rest of the world, athletes are just like everyone else in the world in one regard. There's some subsets of people in the world that you can tell them not to do something once, and they know right from wrong, and they never do it again. There's some subsets of people that you can tell them everything they do is wrong, and they're going to keep doing the same thing because they're just that dumb. Mm-hmm. Eventually, society weeds out the latter group in terms of how useful they are to society and where they belong. But athletes are just like that. Jameis Winston has a rape allegation against him. He had the whole Publix incident that I just referenced. He now has this whole thing. Eventually, after a while, you know what? Maybe he's just an idiot. And maybe he doesn't. he'll be exposed. Maybe he knows right from wrong and doesn't care. And you know what? When he's suspended from the NFL in five years for insert violation here. Maybe he'll still get it. Maybe he won't. But at least the people that need to do something about it are doing something about it. Yep. It's the way it is. And the way it is for us, I guess, is that's it. <laughs>
0: I was wondering <laughs> I how you are going to do that. I
1: think we've exhausted uh, we exhausted our resources for the week. We didn't even get to talk about how the Yankees offense scores less often than my Little League team, uh, which we can maybe get into next week. I'm guessing we'll probably talk more about the farewell of Derek Jeter next week as well as other things. Um. Maybe a little more Giants and Eagles and other NFL talk that doesn't center around off-the-field issues. Until then, though, thank you for listening. Subscribe if you haven't already on iTunes and rate and review us and let us know how we're doing. Keep listening. Come back every week. Until the next time, we grace your presence with our voices. I'm Lou. He's Doug. We are the Yes Men. We'll see you next time.